Since the beginning of the church, persecution has been part of the Christian experience. In fact, the Bible tells us that all who seek to live a godly life will be persecuted. Today, an estimated 360 million Christians are living under severe religious restriction. On this podcast, we share their stories. And we answer the question, how can American Christians live as Christ in an increasingly hostile culture? The way of the persecuted is the harder way. And this is the Harder Way Podcast. Hi, everybody. I'm Scott. And I'm Maddie. And welcome back to the Harder Way Podcast. Why, thank you. You know, in every episode that we've done so far, our first 10 episodes. Wow, we've done 10 already. Crazy, we've done 10. uh, In all of our first 10 episodes, we've really made it a point to emphasize the critical role of the Bible in living the harder way. You can't live the harder way without the Bible. Yeah. And so we wanted this episode, our 11th episode, to be a resource to our listeners that could help them on their own Bible reading journeys. So let's start off our conversation with figuring out how to find the best Bible. And the first thing you're going to notice when you go looking for a Bible is there are a lot of different translations. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's let's talk for a minute about why there are so many translations. Is it a grand conspiracy? I can give people a spoiler alert. There are no conspiracies. True. There are no conspiracies. There's not any secret societies trying to control the Bible translations. I'm pretty sure the ancient aliens were controlling <laughs> oh, the no. Bible translations. No. I was hoping we would make it through this podcast <laughs> without having to talk about ancient aliens. So there are a variety of reasons why there are so many Bible translations, and most of them are very straightforward. One of the first things and one of the most... kind of just boring reasons is actually copyright. Mm -hmm. So for those of you who don't know, all Bible translations have copyrights on them except for the King James Bible because it was written uh, so long ago. But contemporary Bible versions all have copyrights on them, which means that those copyrights are owned by particular publishers. And so those publishers also put out Christian books, Bible studies, you know, just different things like that. And if they want to use a Bible translation that they don't have the copyright for, they have to pay money to a uh, a publishing competitor. So it really just comes down to dollars. To dollars. So they're like, well, you know, uh, for instance, anybody who ever had shopped at uh, Lifeway knows that before they closed down their in-person stores, they were known for their huge sections of Bible studies mm-hmm. uh, in it, that they had made themselves in addition to all of the books that they sold and published. They, The Lifeway company uh, that's run by the Southern Baptist Convention had their own copyright on a Bible translation. It used to be called the Holman Christian Standard Bible, right. and now it's called the Christian Standard Bible. Right. And they did that uh, so that that way they didn't have, because it's very similar to like the NIV, right? Um, but you don't have to pay money to, uh, I believe Zondervan holds the publishing for the NIV. They could just use their own and not have to worry about paying right. anybody anything. Now, what's interesting is that with that Christian Standard Bible, that brings up another point. When... Uh, a Bible committee decides to make a translation. They start with which source documents they're going to use. And typically they have a standard set of of a, of a Hebrew source documents, and then they have a standard set of Greek source documents that they, that they work from. Uh, and most of the modern translations all work from the same 
original uh, or same source documents. And then what happens is the committee comes together and they say, okay, um, what kind of a translation are we going to make? Are we going to make a word one that leans more word for word, or one that leans more thought for thought? And so uh, they figure that out. Then they figure out, well, what grade level of of writing do we want to do? Because we, there are actually word lists in English for third graders and eighth mm-hmm. graders and twelfth graders. And so typically they'll want to they'll choose. I'm going to write about an eighth grade level. Uh, and so then they'll limit their vocabulary to that. And are we going to, and then they'll make other decisions. For instance, in this Christian Standard Bible, because it's with the Southern Baptist Convention, any place where there's any room in the translation for them to lean away from a more charismatic Pentecostal kind of a uh, translation, uh, things about the Holy Spirit, and they can go a little bit more towards the Southern Baptist view of those uh, of those issues without changing the words uh, but maybe just if there's two or three words you can choose from choosing the one that's the least um, uh, friendly to the the Pentecostal worldview they'll do that and that's not right or wrong that's just their their um, theological bent and they're upfront about that if you just read the front matter in the in the uh, translation they'll tell you that's what they're doing they're not trying to be sneaky or anything yeah if you want to know more about uh the about the Bible translations, one of the best things you can do is read the first few pages in the translation yeah. because uh, you typically they tell you here's why we made this translation, here was our goal in using this in doing this translation, uh, what we were trying to accomplish, whether they were trying to uh, translate more word for word or thought for thought, uh, as well as these are the primary source documents that we used when we were translating. So a lot of that information, surprisingly, is actually right there in the front of the Bibles. Yeah, and it, you know, we we our natural inclination is to say, well, I want the Bible that's the most word for word because it's the most accurate. Yeah, it's the, mo- the it's the it's the literal translation. Right. The problem is that when you go word for word all the time, there's sometimes when the sentences in Greek do not make any sense if you just translate them word for word in English, mm-hmm. uh, or and especially in Hebrew going straight in English. So you have to go more thought for thought. Uh, otherwise, you, uh, you'll you wind up with something that's completely unintelligible. Right. That's like uh, we have the interlinear Bible, right. which tries to just say the straight words. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes that is unintelligible. You're trying to read something and you have no idea what's trying, and what's trying to be communicated. And sometimes it's smooth. Mm-hmm. It's like right straight across. And you're like, oh, it translates really easily. But and then there's sometimes there's, you know, there's just a lot. There's a lot there um, that we we just um, as an average person, we just don't understand about the translation processes. But what we can know is this. They're very uh, systematic. They're very formalized. So what you're looking for in a translation, you want to make sure there was a translation committee, not just one person translating. Mm-hmm. And then you want to make sure that they're they're. Um, Try you know you want to make sure what their what their purpose of their translation is and does it align with what you want it to be. Now there's there's uh, if if you want to go the most word for word then you're going to go New American Standard Bible, NASB, okay? right? The old NASB. And then the Amplified Bible, Amplified Bible is just a little bit louder. Uh, no, it's it's the 
the older version of the Amplified Bible, I would stay away from that because there's a lot of times where they just add a bunch of words in there. That could lead to confusion. Yeah. Yeah. But the newer Amplified's a little better. So if you're going to get one, get the newer version of the Amplified, uh, and, and it'll give you some different possible translations of words. I feel like a lot of that's more for ego than it, you know, than it is for actual usefulness. Yeah, you don't see a lot of people using the Amplified in their own mm. devotional time. Right. Because it's not really that helpful. Uh, but typically, if you're looking at what are your most word-for-word type of translations, people are going to say NASB, ESV, KJV. Um, yeah, and KJV is moving more towards – it's kind of right in between mm-hmm. the word-for-word and the thought-for-thought. Thought. Thought. Yeah. And then, you know, then you have the New King James Version, and then you have the New American uh, – uh, the uh, – um, <clears throat> What used to be called the HCSB, but right. is now the CSB, the Christian Standard Bible. And then NIV. Um, NIV. So, and then you move over towards paraphrase. Uh, you're still in the thought for thought with uh, the New Living Translation, but after that, you start getting more into this idea of a, a paraphrase. And what we want to we want to emphasize is that a paraphrase is not necess- is not really a Bible. Yeah, it's more a commentary on the Bible that's primarily Bible, if that makes sense. We call it a Bible commentary. That's Maddie's word she made up. I think it's it's a really great description. So a paraphrase is great as a tool to use alongside your Bible mm-hmm. to help you maybe in some places where you're not understanding. you're struggling with understanding. Yeah, so go get your message. Uh, your message paraphrase use it as a tool to go along with your bible reading i don't agree with 100 percent of eugene peterson's explanations uh that he just like you wouldn't agree 100 percent with most bible commentaries because every single person is coming to it with their own uh biases traditions etc because a commentary on the bible is not the Bible. And that's an important thing to note right. that uh, we'll talk about this a little later. If you're looking at, say, a study Bible, it's important to distinguish between what is actually the Bible and what are just uh, that particular author or that particular church's um Thoughts and ideas that are commentaries on what the Bible says. That's hey, two different things. Hey, name me name me three things. Name me four things that are in every Bible that are not the Bible. Okay, we got a, we've got a lot of those. So first we have chapter numbers. Okay, chapter, chapter numbers. numbers. This, 1205 they were added. Then we have verse numbers. AD. Verse numbers were added in the early 1500s. Uh, red letters. Red letters were added uh, right at the turn of the 19th to the 20th century. Uh, and then anything that is uh, below the line. So cross-references, commentaries, um, extra thoughts or explanations, anything that's be- at that bottom part of the page under the in the footnote area, none of that is actually Bible. If I have a Bible with a concordance in the back, is the concordance The concordance Bible. is not. Maps? Any maps? No. Dictionary? No. What about the index in the front? Nope. Okay. So there's a lot of stuff in your Bible that's not the Bible. Right. And so that's important to know that that we should never take any sort of doctrine or uh, objective truth just from things that are not actually the Bible itself, but are just more so tools to help you understand. Right. So I think of the the chapter numbers and the verse numbers really is just like location devices. Mm -hmm. Um, because imagine how difficult it would be 
to try to find things in scripture if there were no chapters and verses and you just had this thousand page book. It's like, okay, turn to the book of uh, John. Okay, let me just try to flip through well, and, and you know that's interesting. And then what part of the book and <laughs> well, that's interesting because that's that's how they used to do it. They would be like, you know, go to uh go to in the beginning and 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 then in the section where and then they'll and they'll say uh you know um they'll they'll reference some story. Uh, and you'll see an example of that with Jesus on the cross when Jesus says, "My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me?" What he's saying is he's he's giving a reference to um, a passage in Psalm 22. Mm. Uh, and so uh, he's communicating to the people around them the way they understood. They didn't have chapters and verses. He didn't say, go look up the 22nd Psalm, you know, he, he and, and, and see the writing about the situation. He was, so the, the chapters and verses also uh, are something that we don't want it to, to derive like theological meaning from mm-hmm. or or some kind of like secret like there's something coded special about this verse because you know number. it's chapter seven or it's chapter right. 40 yeah or and you multiply it times three and you get chapter yeah. 21 and that that's tells, called numerology people and that's not biblical so right. let's not get there's into that gematria which is which is a the jewish use of numbers for symbolic meanings, but the other, the numerology is not, is not, is not biblical. Okay. So back to our, back to our Bible translations. Um, I, I want to tell everybody that, um, different translations are good for different things. Mm. So I like to use four translations. Okay. Four. Look at that. Overachiever over here. I like to use the NASB because it's the most word for word. I use an interlinear, but I won't count that as a translation. Okay, I like to use the ESV, um, which is moving towards that thought for thought. I like to use the in, the New King James Version, and then I like to use the NIV. Mm. Now, some people have a problem with the NIV. Yeah. Right. And what do you, can you think of off the top of your head? A couple of the problems that they. Well, one of the primary things that I've seen time and time again regarding the NIV is people saying that there were verses taken out yes i found those they were in my sock drawer we're gonna <laughs> you put better them back. tell somebody we're gonna put them back yeah uh and so were there there were not any verses taken out uh in regards to the niv the niv the source documents that they were using uh were different than the source documents that were used by the king james because mm-hmm. when people are talking about verses being taken out they're saying it in comparison to the King James Bible, which is kind of was the main Bible used in the English language for hundreds of years, right. primarily. And so it was the fact that the source documents were different. And there are just a couple of sections, uh, very short, like one, two verse sections, where in the oldest documents that they found that were used in the NIV, those verses uh, were not there. But it's important to note that none of the verses are things that uh, have to be in there to add any sort of doctrine, meaning there's nothing in any of those verses that would take away from any theology. Yeah, people will say that the verses that are quote-unquote removed from the NIV, and and in that case really all the modern translations, that they are attacking the deity of Christ or that they're somehow, you know, taking away from secret knowledge about how to deal with demons where it says, you know, these demons are dealt with by mm-hmm. prayer and fasting. It takes out and fasting. 
um, or vice versa. And the truth of the matter is that everything that is the the few verses that are missing from the NIV, the 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 uh, again I, I use the words those words carefully. I don't think they're missing, but if you look if you at say them, they're missing, missing yeah. you can find those principles other places in the in the New Testament. So they did a really poor job of destroying the deity of Christ because if that's what they were trying to do. It's still very clear in the new in in the NIV. So. Um, so we would say we're not we're not King James only people. We love the King James. We think it's beautifully written. It's it's the highest form of the English English language. language. Yeah. yeah, and in fact, if you're going to memorize scripture and you have a hard time with it, memorize it in the King James. Be, that's a little pro tip for you because um, it's different enough from modern English that it sticks in your brain as something different. Mm-hmm. Uh, another tip is you can also uh, memorize uh, so, uh, scripture songs. Yeah. yeah, because how many of us have so many songs memorized but have a hard time memorizing Bible verses? Right. So we still haven't answered what's the best Bible translation. Um, but I, for me, I, I think I told you what the four that I use together – and then I typically preach from the ESV. Um, and I, I think the answer to the question, if we're saying, what is the best Bible translation? Yeah. There, the answer is, there isn't one. There isn't a best Bible translation. Oh, I want to fight you now. <laughs> <laughs> there is a Bible translation that is best for you. Right. And there is a Bible translation that is best for a certain situation, but not one that is uh, objectively the best superior translation. And I say that because every person is going to come to their Bible reading experience with their own past, their own mind, and that's going to impact which translation is best for them. There are some people who grew up only reading the King James Version. And so every other translation, it just kind of feels weird to them. It doesn't seem right. And so for them, reading another translation, even if they say, yeah, these translations are really good, it just feels off to them and it can put a hindrance uh, that causes them to not want to read their Bibles. So for someone like that, the King James Version, read that. If you're somebody that uh, maybe you struggle with dyslexia, you struggle with reading, you have um, kind of issues in that area, something like the NLT is going to be really good for you because it's a little bit more, uh, it's really at that far edge of thought for thought. Uh, it also has a little bit of a lower uh, average reading level. Which yeah. means that there's not going to be a lot of words that you're going to have to go into the dictionary and like, what does this word mean? Which you may find for some people, even in ESV and NASB, that vocabulary level may be a little much for certain well, people. And we know that, you know, I I've, haven't shared it on here before, but I, I don't make any secret of it. I'm dyslexic and uh, not severely dyslexic, but enough dyslexic to where I probably read at half of the speed of the average mm. person. And uh, of course, you read it about three times the speed of the average person. So between us, it we comes average out. it out. We <laughs> average it out. But um, so I find that for just relaxing reading of the Bible, when I just want to kind of rele- read the scripture, I don't really want to. I'm not doing a deep dive. I'm not studying. I'm just relaxing. And we we do recommend that kind of Bible reading as well. I use the New Living Translation because. Mm-hmm. Uh, it I don't just it seems to work better for me with the dyslexia and I don't see words that aren't there or twist words around in my head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, feel free to use that one as well. But so it's about which one is best for you and which one is best for your situation. If you're wanting to do 
in-depth word studies and really kind of diving deep uh, in more of an academic way, something like the NLT or even the NIV is probably not going to be the best choice for that particular situation. Like you said, you use the NASB and the ESV more so for deep study. But if you're just reading, you'd probably be reading the NLT. And I use the King James for memorization. For memorization, exactly. NLT for casual reading. And it all works. It's all the Bible. Um, and then I, I don't, I don't use this now. But when I was a young Christian, I would use the message as a commentary on the scripture. Exactly. So there are different occasions to use the different translations. And one thing that really doesn't have a logical basis, or uh, oh, this is just our based on our research. This is just sort of a human nature thing. Sometimes you just like a certain translation better. For no reason. You, right. you can't really pin it down as to right. why you like it the best. I really enjoy reading the New King James Version. I don't really have a reason for it. If you ask me why do you like this one the best, it just it feels the best to me when I'm reading it. I've been liking it a lot lately, too. Yeah, and I've, if you ask me why it was, I, I couldn't tell you. But that's the great thing about realizing that there are no conspiracies, realizing that there isn't one that is the best one, because then you can say, you know what? I just like this one and this is the Bible that I'm going to read. And that's what we're trying to communicate with you today is the most important thing about reading your Bible is that you're reading your Bible. Amen. You're not better off because you're reading the King James Version or the NASB as opposed to somebody that is reading the NLT. Because I'll tell you this, if you say I can only read these really word for word, uh, higher reading level translations, and that puts a hindrance between you and your Bible reading and you don't read your Bible that often, you are so much worse off than somebody who is only reading the NLT or the NIV, but is faithfully reading that every single day. That person reading the NLT and the NIV is going to be experiencing great levels of spiritual transformation. They're going to be empowered to live the harder way. Mm. And somebody who uh, is you know, scared to read the Bible because they feel that it has to be uh, one of these higher translations that maybe isn't easy for them to read and so they don't read it at all, you're not going to get that transformation. You're not going to have that opportunity to abide in Christ through his word. And that's a critical part of living the harder way is reading reading God's word. Yeah, and I think I think that um, another way of, of saying what you're saying is that, or maybe another aspect of it is that there is this supernatural aspect of scripture Mm. Right, because we know that we we've told said this before. The Bible is the book of Jesus. Jesus says that the law and the prophets are about him in Luke twenty four. The Gospels are about Jesus. The Book of Acts is about the body of Christ and its early beginnings. And then all of the other uh, books are in the New Testament are about the body of Christ or two people in the body of Christ. And then Revelations about the return of Christ mm-hmm. and and so how this whole thing wraps up. So. So you have basically a book of Jesus. And so when you read the Bible, it's not just a book, it's a place of encounter. Mm-hmm. It's a place it's a place of abiding. It's a place of of it's like an altar where you go and you meet with the Lord. And so um it, it, the Lord's not going to say, "Ah, oh, bro, 
I would have met with you and I had some stuff to tell you or I, I had some grace to, to give you, but you know, it's Revised Standard Version Day and you were reading your New King James Version, Oops. so sorry. You missed out because you read the wrong translation. It, it's not going to do that. They're all, all of the of the translations that we've mentioned, um, you know, and then the, and the, other, the other ones kind of in between, they are... Um, God's going to speak to you through those. Jesus is going to meet you in those. You're going to be able to abide, and if you can abide, you're going to be transformed. And if you're going to be tra- if you can be transformed, you're going to become a person who can walk the harder way. Mm-hmm. And if you can walk the harder way, no matter what the world throws at you, whether it's suffering, whether it's restriction, whether it's persecution, whether it's pain, you are going to be able to stick it out because John 16, 1 tells us that the Lord has told us that we need to abide in him. Uh, he, well, he tells you, I've told you these things so that you, you will, will not, not fall, fall away. away, right? And then he talks about people killing you because they think they're doing God a favor. Yeah. So that's a pretty extreme circumstance. And in that extreme circumstance, he's like, I've told you these things. Well, what things have you told me? Abide in, in me. Abide in me and you'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So that's our encouragement to you guys today is to get in your Bibles. Find a Bible that you can read. There's no best version. There's just best for you. So find one that you're going to actually read and read it. So hopefully this has been helpful and informative and that you will finish this episode and go and read your Bible. All right. God bless you guys. Catch you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to The Harder Way Podcast. If you were encouraged by this episode, please consider sharing it with a friend or leaving us a review. To be the first to know when we publish new episodes, subscribe to the Harder Way podcast on your favorite platform. Until next time, remember the words of Christ. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven.